Please be seated. Today's scripture is Psalm 137. You just heard a bit of it. Beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept when we remembered Jerusalem. We put away our harps, hanging them on the branches of poplar trees. For there our captors demanded a song from us. Our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. Sing us one of the songs of Jerusalem. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Can you picture them there? In what was likely a beautiful place but held no beauty for them because of the heartbreak they were enduring. These young people had been ripped from their families individually and marched at the point of a sword to this foreign enemy land. They'd been settled in a squatter's camp and said, this is your new home and this is your new life and your job will be to serve the enemy king. And none of the songs that they used to sing to God make sense anymore. They're all getting stuck in their raspy throats. And all they can do is sit there and cry. This is the beginning of a story of salvation. Psalm 137, um, nobody's favorite scripture. None of y'all have that stitched on a pillow at home. Okay? None of you are like, it's my life verse by the waters of... We're just not. In fact, when I asked Greg, Greg's like, what are you preaching on this week? I'm like, Psalm 137. Because he always picks out music that goes with, and he's like, oh, brother. Because we just don't make this stuff into songs. I, I, I read you the nice part. But this is such an important scripture for us. This is something I need you to know. I need you to carry it with you. Because all of us face the darkness. And when I've been going through the story, you know I get to loop back and hit some things that I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't get to. As I've been teaching you the story, I think you've heard how God is the great deliverer. How he rescued his people from slavery. He broke their chains and he sent them through the Red Sea to the promised land. He said, this is your new home and it's good. And then David, their first king, we remember that story about how he was a young teenager, maybe, maybe a kid, and there was a giant defying the armies of Israel, and he faced it down and said, the God who is with me is greater than this enemy. And he won. And we remember how when Judah, which is the last two tribes of all of God's people, is facing down the giant that is Assyria that has destroyed the whole known world and it's at their front door saying, you're going to die. We remember how the people hold on to their faith and God rescues them. And so when we get into times of trouble, we're just like these folks who were carried into exile. If you're anything like me, then my only prayer to God when the darkness comes is, Lord, take me back to where I was. Just make it like it was before. 
just want to go back. And what we need to know from Psalm 137 is how God saves us. It's not always or exclusively by defeating that giant or pulling us out of the darkness. Sometimes God helps us by taking our hand and walking with us through it. Now, whether that's an illness that robs you of the familiar landscape and terrain that you love of your life, whether it's a broken relationship or the loss of someone you love, whether it's the markets crashing and you seeing your 401k dwindle or your job get taken away, or whether it's just that life feels like sometimes every single thing is against you, all of us know what it's like to sit by the rivers of Babylon and to weep for everything that we've lost and to not have a clue what we're going to do next. How can we sing the songs of the Lord anymore while we're here? That's what the people are asking. And God is going to help them. Because, see, their prayer is like ours. We know it from history, from the Bible, that their prayer and their hope was God is going to rescue us from Babylon. Pull us out just like our ancestors. Take us home. And so first God has to tell him, that's not what's happening. You're going to be there for 70 years. Imagine... If someone said 70 years to any of us in this room, that's a life sentence. This is life now, is what God is saying. But this is not me, this does not mean life is over. Just because it's not what your plan was. And so he tells the people through the prophet Jeremiah how he's going to save them. How he's going to save them while they are still in Babylon. And this is found in Jeremiah 29. Interestingly, do you know um, the scripture, many of y'all do have this on a pillow or something that says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. That's this text. I want you to always remember that when you think of, for I know the plans I have for you. God was not speaking to people on a mountaintop saying, hope and a future. And they're like, yes, we're right there with you. He was speaking to people in Babylon for 70 years saying, I still have hope and a future for you there. This is how we get to it. This is what God says. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens. And eat the food they produce. Marry and have kids. Then find spouses for them so that they can get married and have, you can have many grandkids. Multiply. Don't dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. How does God save us in the midst of Babylon? 
first, we have to begin where we are. Um, Psalm 137, as I've said, um, it's the worst. It's like the worst psalm. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. You may have a favorite worst, but I'm going to put Psalm 137 up there against your worst psalm any day. Read the rest of it. It's the worst. It's gritty. It's angry. It's brutal in the hatred of the people, of the other people, the enemies. It's awful. But it exists. See, when the compilers of the Psalms put it together, they didn't say, oh, well, we're ripping this one out because it doesn't fit. They said, this one has a place because when the exiles, when the old songs were getting caught in their throat and they couldn't sing the songs they were used to, they made a new one that made sense to them and that expressed who they were to the Lord in the midst of the darkness. So Psalm 137 isn't the best psalm. It is angry and confused and hateful, but it exists. And so because it's there, that should mean that all of us, when we look up and see Babylon, and we don't feel all of the emotions we think we're supposed to feel, that we should lift whatever it is we are feeling to a God who wants to hear from us. Friends, if it's an angry song, sing an angry song. If that's all you've got, sing that. If it's a confused song, sing a confused song. I mean, I want you to sing happy songs, but if your heart is hateful, give that to God too. Don't hide it. He can see it anyway. Sing it. Get that out. Start where you are, because if you can start where you are and sing that to God, then you can sing the next song and the next one. But you have to start where you are and be real. The second thing when you find yourself in Babylon is to defy the darkness. Defy it. Now, these people were there because they had turned away from God. They had broken all their promises. They had worshipped other gods. And so Babylon came and conquered them. And there beside the rivers of Babylon, they began to turn back to God. And so when their captors come and they say to them, sing a song of the Lord. This is the very same thing Assyria has done to every nation they have conquered. They have ripped people away from their homes. They've forced them on a march. They've replanted them in a squatter's village and given them their job for the rest of their life and said, how's that faith now? They're grinding people into the ground. They are used to being the destroyers of faith. And they are there to gloat over God's people as their faith dies. That's what they're there for. And the people sing. The old songs don't fit, so they make a new one. They hold on to God in the darkness. They even turn back around to God and take God's hand, saying, we cannot get through this without you. So when you're in the darkness, when life is not how you wanted it to be, 
and the landscape you see is pain. Defy the darkness. Do it for your own heart, and friends, do it for who's watching. Don't you think that was a testimony to Babylon, that this one nation wouldn't give up on God, even when everything was lost? Don't you think that people are watching you? They are. They're watching all of us. And they're watching to see if faith makes a difference, not just when it's good, but on the hard days. They're watching you. Hold on to God and defy the evil. Refuse to go under. And finally, after we've started with where we are, even if it's ugly, and we've said, I am not going to be moved from my faith, finally, we get to take God's hand and transform the landscape. Notice how God said all of these things that Babylon can't take from them. Build a home. Stop living in a tent, God says. Build a home. Make it your own. You know that person that you love? Get married. Stop waiting for deliverance. Marry them in Babylon. Have children in Babylon. Multiply. Grow old. Have grandkids, right? God says, have a lot. He knows what gives us joy. Plant a garden. Plant trees that you're going to eat the fruit of in three years. Plant a vineyard that you can drink a sweet cup of wine from in five years. Make the desert bloom with your hope. And then God says, pray for this land because as its welfare increases, so will yours. Transform it. Do what you can. When we face Babylon, there's so many things out of our control. I can't control the stock market. I can't even really control if I get sick. I can't control the actions of other people. But God will always be whispering to me and to you what is in our power. How we can build a home or plant a garden or love people. And I know that we can do it because I've seen us doing it. Three years ago, I remember Labor Day. Do you remember Labor Day 2011 when the Spicewood fires hit? And I remember the landscape of that day was the grandparents had my kids, and Kevin and I were going to go on a date. We were so excited. And we got up to the corner of Pale Face Road and 71, and we saw all of these fire trucks and all of this fire, and my phone started ringing. And the landscape had changed. And it wasn't a change that I wanted. And it wasn't a change that we wanted. And it was so out of our power. And I remember being at the Chevron station praying with y'all. So many people in this church who were watching and waiting to see, is my home going to burn down? And 60 
homes and structures were destroyed, many of those people in our church, all of them in our community. And 6,500 acres were gone. And that first day, we, I mean, we opened up the church and we were just trying to, they were just trying to stop the fires. And the next day dawns and it's still smoking and the people still can't go home. That's when the doors of the church, which had stayed open almost all night, um, everybody, y'all were there that night too, started coming. I mean, I don't know if you felt as powerless as I did as I prayed with people. And as the firefighters would be like, you need to back up, the fire line's coming. Um, But then it was as if God said, but do what you can. And so you brought food. You guys brought food. You brought Gatorade. You brought tools. And you brought yourselves. And we opened up our kitchen, and the community came in. And we didn't have that much, but then we did. And what people needed, clothes or a place to rest or a prayer or Gatorade, we gave it to them. And as the community um, got together, they used Bee Creek as the center of the disaster response right out there in our gathering area. And when they issued those, uh, those uh, passes to go back into the fire area to all the victims, it was only people who lived there, and then they gave out one to us. Because they said, we see what you're doing and how it's helping the people. So when they go back and they see their homes for the first time or what's left of them, We need you to be there. So we were there. We were there with gloves so that they could dig through the ashes without burning their hands. We were there with shovels and Gatorade, and we were just there to hug them and say, we're not leaving. There are no easy answers. We didn't have them that day. We were just with them in the darkness. And in the days that followed, y'all remember, we cut down trees and we cleared the land and we rebuilt septic systems and we rebuilt fried electrical cables and we replanted as many trees and plants as we could. And there was this one trailer park that was very hard hit. I remember being with residents in that trailer park as they wept. I remember burying people's pets in that ash. And that day we went back out to replant some trees and to clear away some stuff. And um, I told Don Carroll, I'd, I'd tell this, that that was the day they were like, here's a backhoe, who will learn how to drive it? And Don was like, okay. And so Don was <laughs> learned how to drive a backhoe. And it was amazing. And I was thinking, you know, everything's burned. And to plant this tree and this next tree, it just seems like so little. But God would remind us to do what we can. And in the center of that community, what they wanted was a garden. Will you build us a garden, they said. And it it seems like the most audacious thing in the world, in the middle of a scorched landscape, to put in a garden. But we did. And the owner of that trailer park wrote Judy Wisdom, who is one of our volunteers in that area, even to this day. And she said, I want to show you what the garden looks like. And Judy said, there are watermelons on those vines. There are cantaloupes. 
and that this woman told her every time she sees that garden, she remembers that the worst thing is not the last thing. She remembers to have hope. She said, tell your church thank you for helping me have hope on my darkest day. Being a believer does not guarantee us we will never see Babylon. We will. I'm sorry. But it won't destroy us. It won't defeat you. It cannot rob you of your salvation. God will always rescue you. He will always save you, and he will always make the darkness bloom. Remember his promise? I know the plans I have for you. Plans for hope and a future. Let's pray. God, we do ask that you would be with us every day of our lives. That we would be the kind of people who can sing in the joy of a cool summer day and even in the brokenness of a fire. That you would find us singing your songs um, when we are well and healthy and when illness strikes. It's hard for us. And so we'll need to have each other and we'll need to have you reminding us that we can bring all of who we are to you, that you give us the strength to hold on, and that you can help us make even the darkest place bloom. Give us that strength today, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.